Hello, curiosity seekers and adventurous thinkers. Welcome to Applied Curiosity Lab Radio, the podcast for the relentlessly curious. This season, our host and Applied Curiosity Lab's chief curiosity seeker, Becky Saltzman, will be sharing the studio with ACL's chief experience producer and favorite sister, Jennifer Felberg. The lens is, and always will be, curiosity. Each week, fun and formal conversations center around one delectable curiosity bite designed to give your brain the time and ideas to think about thinking, to flex your curiosity muscle, and maybe even revolutionize the way you think. I was flying across the country for an Applied Curiosity workshop, and I was really, really, really behind in my work, sitting in my normal aisle seat and pull down the tray table, whip out my computer, and within five minutes of deep, deep writing, the seat in front of me leans back and my tray table and computer jam into my legs. So I turn to the guy sitting in the middle seat and I look at him and say, oh, I hate when this happens. Because I really couldn't, there was no room, I couldn't do one of those really tight economy spaces. And he looks at me kind of annoyed. And then I see that he has those little hidden earbuds in and he pulls out his earbud and goes, what? And then I felt so stupid complaining to him, but I was in for a penny, in for a pound. So I said, okay, don't you hate when they, and he's like, yeah. And he puts the earbuds back in and I felt really, really unsatisfied until the person sitting at the window seat looks at me, the woman, woman, and she kind of agrees with me, shaking her head and pointing and sneering. So it was clear that She was commiserating with me, and I felt better. Now, I didn't do what I often do, which is passive-aggressively pushing back a little bit on the seat, hoping that they get the hint. I didn't do anything. I just complained, but I didn't do anything about it. I come home, and the next day, I hear this ruckus in the backyard. I look out in the back, and I see that the neighbor behind, whom I've never met, is throwing yard debris from their yard into our yard. And I decided I could complain to my husband. I could open the window and say, what the hell are you doing? Or I could do something, not only something about it, but something effective about it. And this was like a very intense experiment because my inclination was to yell, what the hell are you doing? And do something about it. Went outside and he is belligerent. And I come to find out that he is pissed off. And it was very hard to decipher through all of his expletives. But I was coming to find out that he was furious because we were doing construction. And that meant that there was change in the neighborhood. This is mixed neighborhood, as you know, where there's contemporary houses and old houses, but a lot of old houses and people fight back against doing any remodeling to these old houses. So he was pissed about that. He was pissed about the fact that some of the trees that were in our yard that had branches in his had been trimmed without me discussing it with him. So it kind of affected his view and outlook. I get that. And I think the final thing he was pissed about was that I had never gone over to introduce myself, to suggest that we talk about some of the things, or even bring him into the process. Now, I did not need to do that at all, any more than the person who leaned their seat back into my gut needed to not do that. It wasn't about rights and what must be done. It has to do with more than that. And I thought about it, and then I just said to him, I see where you're coming from, would the most transformative, delicious tequila that your gullet has ever experienced help this situation, help your 
anger and help the situation. And it was funny because it was the last thing that he expected me to say. You know, I'm sure he was expecting me to yell back or to justify. And believe me, I had a lot of things that were racing through my mind. His face was confused and then diffused. And then thankfully, he's not a teetotaler, which was kind of a risk I took. And he said, actually, I would. So I went inside and got one of my best tequilas. I poured him a shot. I reached up on the fence. He was sitting on the fence, literally throwing yard debris from his from his yard into ours, piles of yard debris, and I gave him the tequila. Now, it was a sipping tequila, and he gulped it down, which made me realize I should not have spent that much of my precious elixir on him. I should have just gotten one of the cheap ones, whatever, but it did the trick. And then he said, now, I suppose you want me to stop throwing this yard debris in your yard. And I stopped and paused for a second. You can do whatever makes you feel good. And he looked at me confused. He had to be back the shot glass. I walked in the house and I have never spoken to him. But my goal was not to have this hostile. I didn't really care about the yard debris. I could take an hour, pick up the damn yard. It didn't matter. I just didn't want a hostile neighborhood situation. It's just more stress than I need in my life. And that made me think about the curiosity bite. So now I'm going to ask you, what is something that you complain about, but you never try to do anything about? And what is something that you don't complain about, that you just do something about? I actually prepared for this podcast. I'm so proud. Full disclosure, I have a side job, uh, another part-time job. I don't mean to tell you this, but I do. I hate that you do. <laughs> Takes me away from hanging out with you. Maybe this podcast will get so big and we'll take it on the road and you can quit that side job. I'm greedy yeah, for you. Yeah, but it's kind of fun. I used this curiosity bite for the last two days trying to do the experiment. And my job, my side job, is the merchandiser. I make sure that product is in the building. I make sure that I know how much product is there, how much I need to buy. And there, I work with two other people, and they primarily are the sales people. And I thought, I'm going to make sure that I, let's see, the first time I was going to complain and not do anything about it, and then I was going to not complain and do something about it. So I had that in my mind. And I am crazy busy working on ordering and doing all these things and working on the computer. And I look over and people are coming in. Customers? The customers are coming in and we say hello. Nothing is being done. I look over and the two sales guys are making paper airplanes. And Was your tongue bleeding? Oh, my God. You have no idea. The first time I say I'm going to not complain and do something about it. Mm -hmm. So I stop what I'm doing, I get up, I go help the customers, I sell the product, and I sit back down and I still see them making paper airplanes. No, wait, D don't they get commission? Yes, we all get commission based on the sales. Oh, so you actually had a financial stake in, in this, not just an aggravation. Absolutely. So it's not just about fairness, it was also like there's some money, there's some skin Absolutely, in the game. Absolutely, yes. Although for me, fairness is a big deal. And then, and the time keeps going by, and I'm still working my butt off, and half the day goes by, and I can't take it anymore. What do you mean? Are you saying the customers are coming in? What's happening? Customers are coming in, nobody's helping them, and they walk back out the door. And customers come in, nobody's helping them, and they walk right back out the door. And are door. the guys still doing paper airplanes? And still doing paper airplanes, driving me crazy. 
So around 12.30, 1 o'clock, I can't take it anymore. And I turn to my other colleague, who's the outside salesperson, and I just start to complain. Now, I could have, like what you were talking about, I could have actually said something to them, something constructive. Hey, guys, I really, you know, we're really working together on making commission. So maybe maybe you want to put your paper, (laughs) paper airplanes aside. I didn't do that. I just complained to my other colleague, and I felt better. You're saying that even though you complained, but you didn't do anything about it, you just complained, you felt better. Yep. Now, did you feel better when you did something about it, but didn't complain? In other words, you got up and you did their job for them. No. You did not feel better. No. And the third option, I think that most of us don't think about, is we think that doing something about something is better than doing nothing, but clearly you proved that that wasn't the case. So really, it's more important to be curious about doing the effective thing. And doing the effective thing might be a longer term thing. I think that was the difference between my experiment and what you experienced, because I did not think about the effect or what the outcome could have been had I not taken that third option using curiosity on what I wanted, what the outcome should have been. I didn't do that. Or the effectiveness of my complaining or solving the problem. I didn't do that where you did. There's a study out of Clemson University where they found that complaining allows us to achieve these desired outcomes, but the desired outcomes aren't necessarily a fixing of the, solu- a fixing of the problem or a, an effective solution, but they're outcomes such as sympathy and attention. And that's why people complain about things that they really do nothing about. But the other thing is a lot of times when they do something about it, it doesn't feel as good because they think that doing something is doing something about it, but it's really doing something effective about it. So for example, I think to myself, back to the flight where that person puts their seat back, my usual thing that I do is kind of push back. Now, once in a blue moon, someone gets the hint at my passive aggressive and they put their seat forward, but most of the time it doesn't work. And you know damn well that they know what they're doing and that they know that I'm annoyed. Mm -hmm. But I thought about it. I thought, what if I went to them and said, hey, listen, I know that you're relaxing with your seat back and that's totally, I get that, that's your right, but what if I traded you, if I bought you a cocktail or I bought you lunch or I bought you a meal and you gave me 45 minutes because I've got this huge project that I've got to get done? Now that would be doing something about it. Now, if they didn't acquiesce when I tried my best, that might even heighten my frustration to a level that passive-aggressive incompetence never achieved. But the study was really interesting because they found that those who complained with the hope of achieving a certain result tended to be happier than those who simply did it for their own sake. And then I thought to myself, maybe that's why I complain to my husband about things that after 27 years he doesn't change, (laughs) but it's the hope and the false hope, potentially, that he will change that keeps me happy. I'm going to tell him that these studies show that if I just did nothing about it and complained, it would feel better than if I did something ineffective about it and didn't complain. I'm going to use this whole thing to justify my continuing to complain to my husband about things that for 27 years he's done. And what would you hope the outcome will be? I hope... I guess I hope, on one hand, I hope that he'll do the things I want him to do. Good luck. Yeah, right. But I guess the second outcome is just continuing what I'm doing, which is that holding out hope that one day that might happen is better than not. And when you complain to me about it, 
Doesn't that make you feel better? Oh, it totally does. It gives me happiness and expressing annoyance. This other study found that they took male and female college students and they listed all these pet peeves that they had with their former or current lover or relationship partner. And they also completed a questionnaire to measure happiness and positive and negative affect and depression and overall life satisfaction. And they found that those who complained with the hope of achieving a certain result tended to be happier than those who simply did so for their own sake. Hmm. If you expect a positive result from your complaining, and that's kind of what happened with the guy in the middle. I complained and I did not get the result I li- I wanted. He did not commiserate. He did not respond. And you think about it. When I complain to you, you always do exactly what I want. You agree with me. You That's tell me true. all. The, you tell me all the complaints you have about your husband. I can't say that you do the same. But yes. What do you mean? <laughs> Although you do supply me with not tequila because I don't like tequila, but you do supply me with good cocktails. Yeah. Sometimes you complain about things. And if I can't agree, then at least I order you, uh, at least I offer a delicious cocktail. Which is the desired outcome. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) There are certain things that I complain about, like the weather, that I can't do anything about. So why do I complain about it? There's nothing I can do about it. Why do I complain? That's funny because guess what I have? Do you have lists? I have lists. I actually have two lists. All right, bring on the list. Which is kind of fun. The first list is... Things that most people complain about. Oh, okay. One is slow but free Wi-Fi. Slow but free Wi-Fi. So you go to a place and you don't pay for it, but you're complaining that it's too slow. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I do that. Do you? Yeah. It's not a huge... It's not, it doesn't bother me a lot, but if I'm quickly trying to look something up, maybe I would complain. I don't think I would complain out loud to other people. Maybe in my mind. No. You might just like talk, talk to yourself. I do that a lot. Yes. And one you said was weather. So just dress accordingly. And I, and I don't complain that much about the weather. What I do complain about is when the weather people are wrong. We had this big, huge warning. 95% snow apocalypse is going to, and everyone raced to the grocery. I think it was probably sponsored by the grocery, United Grocers. You should have seen the long, long lines. I was actually at one of the grocery stores and I stood in line for an hour and a half. Because we were going to have the snow apocalypse. So the night it was going to hit, I had a dinner party and it was a 90% chance of snow at 11 p.m. And the dinner party was going on and I looked outside. I look on my app. It says 90% chance of snow. I look outside and there's not a single damn flake. And I thought to myself, what is the difference between a 90% chance and an 80%? How do I even think about this? But 90% looked like it should be snowing at 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. And we got up the next day. I mean, you, you are, you're you a little higher elevation, so you might have had like an inch. I'm right in the flat. Not even an inch. Really? It was like a little dusting. It was a little dusting. And it was supposed to snow. And then I look on my app and all of the 90, 80% chances, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, rain, 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 <laughs> rain, 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 rain. So I complained, even though I think the weather forecasts have gotten way better statistically because 100 miles from here, they did have their snow apocalypse, but mm-hmm. they missed it by 100 miles. They're still as wrong as if they missed it completely. And that I bitched about. I complained about it. And you were not alone. And what did I get from that? Does this desired result from complaining, is that predicated on the response of the person that you complain to? I tell you, when I complained to my colleague about the 
two airplane makers, <laughs> I felt so much better when she what was commiserated. Her she totally commiserated with me. And it's funny, too, because she knew that I was doing the experiment. Oh, she, you told her ahead of time. Well, not, not ahead of time, but while I was trying not to complain, I was telling her I'm doing this experiment, I'm trying not to complain, which might have been oh, a type of complaining. Cheater. <laughs> you never, okay. But then I let loose and I complained and she did make me feel a lot better just by validating my feelings telling me that she saw the same thing I saw. So that made me feel better. I think we should be strategic about who. This is why we might get accused of complaining to the same person all the time, because that person gives us the response that we want. Mm -hmm. Unlike the middle seat bastard who rolled his eyes at me. Now, if I ever was doing this again, I would seek out that person who was sitting on the window seat and I would only complain to her. I'm sure she's thanking her lucky stars for that. (laughs) (laughs) I hope I never see this woman again. Here's another one. Leaving the toilet seat up is a big complaint that people have. I have a good story about that. I worked at a company where there was this one little tiny bathroom in the office part where we were, and there was this guy who always left the toilet seat up. And this guy was so annoying because he would always be criticizing other people's manners. He thought he was very fancy and very highbrow. He was very elitist. I would go in and I would fall, my butt would fall in the water. Oh, God, again. You know, it was was a very old-fashioned, it was one of those pull chain ones. Oh, wow. Leaving the seat up, your butt would literally tickle the (laughs) toilet water. So it was gross, right? And especially you would think I would look, but sometimes I was racing in there and distracted. So finally, I noticed that he was doing it and doing it. David, I remember the guy's name. And I finally said to David, would you please be willing to put the toilet seat down? And he got mad. And then, of course, I got a little bit snarky. And I said, well, you know, for someone who is so prim and proper, I'm surprised. And that resulted in him leaving the toilet seat up all the time. (laughs) You did not get the desired outcome. But you know what? Ultimately, I decided my desired outcome was putting him in his place because I realized that what I really wanted out of that was to kind of nab him for his elitist snobbishness, his classist. So I was very happy with the result even though I didn't get the toilet seat put down. Sometimes that outweighs the other. Yeah, and I had to be honest because I think I was ultimately looking for a way. I mean, I would listen to him on the phone and he would say, well, is she somebody? Is he somebody? Ew. I mean, it was so gross. I sat there eavesdropping on his conversation for so long that I think I might have used the toilet seat as an excuse gotcha. to do something else. All right, what's the next one? Mondays. People complain about Mondays? Mm-hmm. Why, because they have to go back to work? I guess Mondays, hangovers, and waking up in the morning. I would rather wake up in the morning than not wake up in the morning. That's a dumb thing to complain about. This is not for your judgment. This is what most people do complain about. Everything is for my judgment. How dare you? (laughs) (laughs) One of them is people complaining. But I think that if everyone likes to complain, at least sometimes, I mean, I can't imagine some people just don't complain, even in their own minds. They notice something or they do like I do. I talk to myself. That is so annoying. And the thing is, the reason that I talk to myself is I always give myself the proper response. I find that I am really my own best audience. And sometimes when I'm saying it out loud, people go, what, Becky? I'm like, never mind. (laughs) I, w- I did go to the doctor yesterday. Well, you're getting the next list because I know you have a second list. And I you mentioned do. that I w- went to the doctor yesterday and you know how you fill out that little form. This is my new, my new doctor. I wasn't going for anything. I hadn't had a doctor for like eight years. I thought, okay, I'm getting old. I'm glad I have a doctor, like bone density. I shrunk a whole inch. I've shrunk 
almost two inches. Are you kidding? Mm-hmm. No, I'm not kidding. It was so devastating to Dane because Dane thought that he had grown an inch because he was taller than me. And I came <laughs> home yesterday and told him, I'm sorry, I shrunk an inch. But I was filling out one of those forms and it was asking about how many drinks you drink a day or a, sorry, a week or a month or whatever. And I thought, do most people overestimate or underestimate? So I was like <laughs> trying to. So finally, I put a number down. And then when she's asking me the questions, I said, OK, I have to admit, I was trying to think whether most people overestimate underestimate or underestimate, I do like myself a cocktail. And she goes, I do too. (laughs) And then we started talking about how she can't have tequila. And then I said, "Put, put whatever number you think is best for like healthy people like us who like cocktails. She goes, I'll do it. And she put it into the... No wonder why you like that doctor. I'm going to spread the word. I love my doctor. I love my new doctor. All right, back to the list. Okay, so these items are things that people think you shouldn't complain about. So these are people judging other people complaining about right. stuff. Okay. Well, Woe is you when your coffee maker breaks. You're saying that people don't like when other people complain about their coffee maker breaking. Exactly. I didn't say that very clearly, did I? No. If I was at your house and your coffee maker broke and you couldn't give me coffee and you complained about it, I would Now, I will say this. If I came over the next day and the next day and you were still complaining, be like, get a damn new coffee maker, fool. I need my coffee. I don't think I've ever heard anyone complain about okay, their coffee a, make- maker a, breaking. This is a dumb list. When your cramps are so awful, you want to die. So people don't like you my, complaining about when your cramps are so awful, you're going to die? That might have been a man writing that one. So far, I'm rejecting this list. Well, you know, I was this other part of the study was that other people complain as a means of crafting or reinforcing their identities. And so they use complaints to manipulate how other people see them. We talk about this in our workshops, impression management. So we talk about it in terms of when you're asking the most valuable question, is it an impression management question or is it a question to gain more information? Mm -hmm. But they're talking about impression management. The study is talking about impression management. As you know, I don't drink wine anymore. It's not a brown drink. But back in my youth... We went to this restaurant. I suppose I wanted to look fancy. I was with some work people, and I was by far the youngest, and we ordered wine. And at that time, I was drinking wine, and I was trying to kind of get more sophisticated about wine. I mean, I'd probably been legal for three years so in terms of drinking. So the song came out, and it was a fancy restaurant. They poured wine, and most of my experience had probably come out of a box, and I complained about the wine, and it kind of didn't taste good. Now, it could have been because it was a good wine and I was used to a box, I don't know, or Manischewitz. Or it could have just turned and you knew it. Well, it didn't taste good. And I decided to go for it, to complain about the wine. And then I think I kind of crossed my fingers and held my breath. I was like, you know, I was probably like 24 years old, whatever. And I said, I don't think this wine is good. And I'd like to send it back. And everyone looked at me like a little girl. And these were all business associates and Again, much more senior and older. And the sommelier came out and I was like, tick, 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 tick. And he smells the wine. He, he says, this wine has cork rot. And everyone looked at me and I was like, yay! But that was clearly a complaint about impression management because realistically, that wine, cork rotted, was probably better than the vast majority of the boxed wine at that time that I had ever had. Right. So that complaint was like a winner. Although a lot, a lot of the boxed wines actually aren't that bad anymore. This was bef- way, way. This was in the 80s. What do you complain about that you would hate if someone offered you a very valuable solution? My weight. You do complain about your weight. It's not like you complain about it all the time. But you. Do I don't com- know if I complain about it or I'm just very open about it. 
you're funny about it. You poke fun <laughs> at yourself about it. Yeah, that's not complaining. But you do complain sometimes about it. Yeah. Now, if someone said, hey, why don't you just exercise more? But what if someone said, I understand, and I, for 20 years, until I found, and this is a very specific thing that you can do, and all you have to do is blink your eyes three times and it works. <laughs> or, or they said, let me give you this book on the keto diet. I've tried everything. I'm like you, and let's say you hadn't heard of the keto diet. Mm-hmm. Would you, I suppose it depends on who said it. So if some skinny mini said to you, you should try the keto diet, you'd be like, "Mm, you. Mm -hmm. But if someone that you knew had been huge and now they were regular sized, would you take it differently? I'm not sure. What about someone that was heavy and they said, I'm working on, I'm trying to do this keto diet. Perhaps someone that would want to do it with me. Hey, I just started swimming. You should join me. What if they're really skinny? Well, you're skinny, and if you invited me to go for walks with you on Saturdays, I'd welcome that. We've talked about doing the 30-day, although I have yet to be able to do that because I'm not good at giving things up, but I've... You I, could add in more I can add in more than, than take up. out, yeah. If the response to complaints was positive, was commiserating, was not judgy... And sometimes, oh, too much information, like... I know that if I ate right and exercised more, the result would be weight loss. So you're not telling me anything I don't know. So I'm complaining just, I don't really know why, maybe just for that commiserating. But I'm not really looking for a solution, which was what you were asking. Would you be more inclined to complain to someone that also was struggling with weight loss, more inclined to complain to someone who has responded positively to your complaints in the past, or more inclined to complain to someone who has successfully lost weight and is now skinny? The middle. I think it's important that we choose who we complain to based on assessment of whether they're going to respond appropriately to our complaints. And I also think that there is probably an appropriate response to complaints. Now, if I was complaining about my acne to person A, and they said, oh, that totally sucks, I'd be satisfied. What if they said, oh, you don't have any acne. Your skin is beautiful. Well, especially the way you said it. (laughs) You just gave away. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Don't give away the (laughs) punchline. I don't think you, wait, I don't think you have any acne. Your skin is beautiful. Well, is that better? I'd be like, what's this dot? <laughs> I mean, I mean t- or just saying, I, I love your skin. I think it's great. I would be like, that's great. I wasn't fishing for a compliment. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's definitely a time that one might be fishing for a compliment. But when you look at your, your skin and you see a bunch of pimples, I mean, maybe the other person had way more pimples. The other thing is I probably wouldn't have complained about adult acne to someone who had adult acne 10 times worse than I did because that would be so insensitive. It would be like me saying, I really need to lose weight. And you'd look at me and say- Punch you in the face. Kick me in the nether regions. <laughs> kick me in the nether. I'm trying to keep this- Wear your bathing suit covers. <laughs> kick me where my babies came out of. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for the, the sort of fact. And you know- No. What is it? There was a study out of a very prestigious university <laughs> where most of our sort of facts come from that <laughs> scientists have said, researchers indicate, they say that- The optimal number of complaints in a day is 6.7 to give and 1.2 to receive. And that is courtesy of Sortifacts. Thanks for listening, and I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Before you take off, I have a few more things to let you know about. One. 
You can find show notes for every episode of ACLR and links to all resources mentioned at applycuriositylab.com forward slash blog. It's there that we'll wait to read your answers to each week's Curiosity Bite. Two, in order to avoid missing curiosity-bitten conversations, subscribe to Applied Curiosity Lab Radio on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and all the other spots that podcasts hang out and wait to be discovered. Toss up a review, especially if you have nice things to say. Finally, for all things Applied Curiosity, including information on workshops and your free membership to the Tribe of the Curious, go to AppliedCuriosityLab.com. In the meantime, elevate curiosity.